The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. My dear sisters and brothers in Christ, they say you should never meet your heroes. You will only leave disappointed. I experienced that firsthand a number of years ago. Maybe you have as well. If you haven't, then just Google that adage. This, you should never meet your heroes. What you will find is heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story of people finally getting to meet their hero only to be utterly crushed by with the person, by the person they actually ended up meeting. Now, in our hero's defense, there are a couple things they have going against them. Number one, it's our fault. We build them up to be people they are not. We create expectations that they could never meet. And, and secondly, when we finally get a chance to meet our heroes, what do we say? What comes out of our mouths is some of the most irrational, pointless, crazy boy band enthusiasm that we would never say if we actually got to think about what would you say. We say things like, oh, I really loved you in that movie. Or I'll never forget the home run you hit in the 88 World Series, which is what I said. What are they supposed to say in response to that? Thanks. And they walk away. Rightly so. We wonder why they don't engage more with us or are, are, aren't more endearing to us because we give them nothing to engage with. You should never meet your heroes. You'll only leave disappointed. But a big part of it is because we've got nothing good to say to them. And they are intimidating. And as I was thinking through that this week, it also it got me thinking about prayer. Because that is something that should be intimidating. I mean, what are you going to say of any value to the almighty and living God? What are you going to say to the, the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the first and the last, the only true God over heaven and earth, the one who with the breath of his mouth put all of the stars in place? And not only that, but he's the one who knows each and every single one of them where they should be and even calls them by name. What are you going to say to the one who, who commands the winds and the waves and tells them to stop and go no further? What do you say to the one who is your God. That should be an intimidating conversation. And for some people it is. 
Full disclosure this morning, 13 years of being a pastor, and one of the most intimidating things I still regularly am faced with is when one of you asks me on the spot, Pastor, can you please say a prayer? That's a lot of pressure. That can be an intimidating thing. But we don't want it to be an intimidating thing. And so we downplay it by by saying things like, you know what, prayer is so simple. It's just talking. And while that certainly isn't false, it fails to completely give us the beautiful and deep picture of the beauty of prayer. This is why Jesus' own disciples have to ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus' response is not, guys, prayer is so easy. It's just talking. No. No, Jesus has way more to say. Jesus wants us to know that this is a good request. Because prayer, like everything else in the Christian life, is a discipline. It's something that we need to learn. It's something that He needs to teach us. And this morning He does. He teaches us the content of our prayers. What is it that we should be praying for? He teaches us the attitude of our prayers. How is it that we should be approaching our God? And then finally, and I would say most importantly, Jesus gives us the reason for prayer. Why? What is our motivation for talking to God? So take a look with me again at the words of our Gospel reading from Luke chapter 11. They're printed out on pages 7 and 8 in your service folder. Try this once. Just open up one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and go to the beginning of Jesus' ministry and see how many pages you have to turn before you find Jesus praying. It's amazing. You really can't turn a page without a story or an account beginning with, then Jesus went off to pray. And you know, the disciples, being good Jewish men, they knew the prayers they were supposed to speak. They knew the prayers that they prayed on their way up to the temple on the Sabbath, and they knew the prayers they would pray when they got there, and they knew the prayers they would pray on their way home. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus prayed all the time for long periods of time. And it didn't matter where he was or what time of day it was, Jesus was always in prayer. But what was he praying for? Jesus, what should we be praying for? When the disciples asked Jesus, the answer that Jesus gave them were the words of the Lord's Prayer. Now think about that. There have been at least a time or two in your life when you wanted to pray. You knew you should be praying. But the only thing that could come out was, Lord, I don't even know where to begin. And the next time you get into a situation like that, remember that the disciples once asked this of Jesus. And Jesus said, Here, here are the words that you should pray. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. 
There's a reason why this is the first prayer we teach to our children. There's a reason why we pray this prayer every single Sunday. Because these are the words of God Himself saying, this is what I want you to say to me. And so we can never go wrong when we do. And there are thousands upon thousands of sermons that have been preached and can be preached and will be preached just on every single petition of the Lord's Prayer, and we'll save another one of those sermons for another day. Today, what I want to do is just to take one important highlight from the content of the Lord's Prayer. And it's this. Jesus teaches us to pray for the spiritual along with the physical. Think about that for a second. If you were to take sort of inventory of the prayers in your life, aren't most of them something to do with physical aspects of your life? You pray for your job. You pray for your family. You pray for your financial well-being. You pray for your future. And those are good things to pray for. And you should keep praying for them. God wants you to pray for physical things. But how often do you also pray for God's forgiveness and His mercy? When you pray for stronger knees, do you also pray for a stronger faith? When you prayed this past week that, that the Lord would fill your bank account with the winning numbers of the mega millions, which is a fine prayer to pray, did you also ask that He would fill you with His Spirit? When you pray for your kids' safety at school, and for success in their careers? Do you also pray for the safety of their souls and the perseverance of their faith? You see, of the seven petitions that Jesus teaches us to pray, Luke here only records five. Matthew has the other two. Of the seven petitions that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer, only one is physical. Lord, give us today our daily bread. And that petition is really just a paraphrase of a prayer that King Solomon prayed back in Proverbs chapter 30. And if you're looking for a regular prayer to pray about the physical stuff in your life, I don't know that you can come up with a better one than this. You should memorize these words. Proverbs 30, Solomon prays this, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Pray for the physical things in your life. But remember when it came time for Jesus to teach us how to pray, Jesus lines up everything that you need, and it's spiritual to physical, six to one. 
It's not even close. Not because Jesus doesn't want you to pray for the physical. Not because Jesus doesn't care about the physical. Not because Jesus doesn't promise to bless you with the physical. But because Jesus knows that prayer is more than just asking God for stuff. Prayer is an arsenal for the Christian life. It is a weapon to be used against the attacks that come into your life. And this is how we most commonly use it. We know this. If your company is downsizing or the economy is tanking or your kid gets sick or the cancer test comes back positive, these things attack you and so we pray. And that's good. But Jesus says, I also see and I know the threats you don't see. The invisible forces that attack you spiritually. The ones that aren't just after your 401k or your lungs, but the ones whose goal is to see you body and soul in hell forever. So Jesus says, trust me. When I tell you that you need to use this weapon of prayer against those attacks too. And so Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father in heaven. Father, when the circumstances of my life tell me to curse your name, fill my lips with your praise instead. In the way that I speak and in the way that I act, let me always keep your name holy in my life. Jesus says when you pray, say, Father in heaven. Father, when the kingdom of this world mocks and ridicules and attacks my children for trusting in you, strengthen them with your kingdom. Reign in their hearts. Rule over their lives with your graciously powerful and protective hand. Jesus says, pray, Father in heaven. Father, when the desires of my heart are contrary to the plans and purposes of, of, you, for more li for, of you for my life, let your will always be done in my life. Because your will and the desires of your heart are always what's best for me. Jesus says, pray, Father in heaven. Father, when I sin against you, forgive me. And use your never-ending mercy to inspire me to willingly and repeatedly forgive those around me, even when, especially when, I think they don't deserve it. Jesus says, pray, Father in heaven. Father, guide my loved ones through and away from every temptation that Satan brings into their lives. And when I and when they still go stubbornly running headlong into them, then deliver them from whatever evil they have caused and whatever suffering they deserve. And Lord, do it all because of your grace. 
Jesus knows it's easier to pray for the physical because we see the physical, we feel the physical. And Jesus says, I want you to pray for the physical. The things you see and the things you feel. He says, give me my daily bread, Lord. But he also wants us to pray in faith. He wants us to pray for the things we don't always feel and the things we can't always see. And to know that God hears and cherishes those prayers too. He wants us to know that whether it's physical or spiritual, that the beauty of Christ's instruction here is that there will never be a need in your life that is too insignificant. That taking it to the Lord in prayer will not cause Him to give you His undivided attention. At the same time, He also wants you to know that there is no temptation, there is no attack so powerful that you could ever experience that He is not greater than it. So keep praying for your health. Keep praying for your job. Keep praying for your family. The Lord loves to hear and answer those prayers. But don't forget to use the full arsenal of prayer. Pray also for God's grace and your faith, His Spirit and your soul, Christ's forgiveness and your comfort. Pray for it all. And know that every single prayer you will ever pray in faith is utterly treasured by your perfectly gracious Father in heaven. So if that's what's at stake, if that's what we are giving and offering up and praying to our God, then how is it that we should approach Him? It feels like this is something that we should do very timidly, very humbly, sort of with our hands tucked in our pockets and sort of kicking rocks and not looking up to the skies and just saying, oh, shucks, God. But that ain't how the Lord teaches us to pray. Humility is a good thing. But when it comes to prayer, Jesus says, I want you to approach me in a whole different way. I don't know how many of you have said something like that to me. You'll say something like, oh, pastor, God's got better things to do than to listen to my little old prayers. Or, you know, I, I've been praying about it, but I don't want to come off as impatient or, or greedy, so you know what? I probably should just leave God alone. He's probably heard from me enough. Jesus says, humility is a good thing. But in humility is not how I want you to pray. Look again at the story that Jesus tells about what appears to be the world's most annoying neighbor. The word Jesus used there to describe the man's boldness is actually a word that is closer to shameless or even rude. And Jesus lauds this attitude. Now, Jesus is not teaching us that God is like some sort of impatient, disgruntled neighbor who's trying to sleep and hiding from you behind a locked door. He's not saying that, that God is 
on and sometimes off, that there are good times to pray and bad times to pray. He's not saying there's an inconvenient time to approach God in prayer, nor does God answer our prayers just to get rid of us. Jesus isn't teaching any of that. Notice Jesus says, suppose you have a friend. He's talking about how shamelessly persistent you and I are in dealing with people when we really want or need something. Do you notice this? You will stop at nothing to get your kids on the right club team. You will stop at nothing to get your kids into the right school. You will not stop reminding your boss about the raise he promised to you until he gives it to you. You will not let the doctor leave the room until she has answered your every last question. You will not walk out of that car dealership until you are satisfied with the deal you've been given. This is how we operate. Our children even get this. They don't stop until they get your attention, Mom. Uh, Mom. Mom! If it's important to you, you persist. You're bold. And if we're that bold, if we're that shameless, if we're that rude with one another, in order to get the things that we want and need, Jesus says, how much more? How much more shamelessly, how much more boldly should you approach God in prayer? And so Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock. And each of those verbs in the Greek is a present tense verb, which is Jesus saying, always be asking. Don't ever stop seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't stop. And that's challenging, isn't it? That is really, really challenging. I mean, how long did it take you in our first Scripture reading listening to Abraham persistently and boldly pray to the Lord? How long before you kind of went, oh, geez, Abraham, just take it easy, man. You're pushing your luck. Stop with 30. But he doesn't. Even Abraham felt that way. How many times does he apologize? Lord, I know, I'm coming back to you. I know I've been bold, but I guess if I've been this bold, then it won't hurt me to be even more bold. And the Lord says, you know what, Abraham, you haven't been bold enough. Brothers and sisters, when was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time you viewed prayer not as this small allotted quota that once you hit it, you, you just have to take some time away lest you start to get on God's nerves. Oh, when was the last time you viewed prayer like, like that wrestling match between the Lord and Jacob? And Jacob said, Lord, I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. When was the last time you said, God, I'm not going to let go of your ear. I'm not going to let go of your face until you bless me. Until you answer me. This is not me saying, try praying like that and just see what happens. 
This is your God saying, this is how I want you to pray. Fearlessly, boldly, persistently, shamelessly. Which leads to the last and maybe the most important point, and that is why? How? How can I come to you, God, with that kind of attitude? Jesus wants us to pray persistently and boldly because he wants us to remember to whom it is our prayers are addressed. Our Father. Our Father. Like bookends, Jesus begins and ends his instruction on prayer by saying, pray to your dear Father. Do you remember how this is addressed in the small catechism? This address of the Lord's Prayer? Luther wrote this, with these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children so that we may pray to him as boldly and as confidently as dear children ask their dear father. Now for some of you, this picture of God as father is a difficult one to find comfort in. Your picture, your experience with your earthly father, let's just say, was less than good. So if you had the worst earthly father, you need to know this. This is not your God. And if you had the best earthly father, then you need to know this too. What a rich blessing it was and what a rich blessing it is to have a father that gives you this picture of who your God is, but you need to know your God is even greater. He's an even better father. This is how Jesus described it. He says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? The implied answer, of course, is no one. No father would do that, not even the bad ones. And Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, this is supposed to be a universal truth. That fathers, despite their own shortcomings and failures and downright wickedness, they know the difference between a good gift and a bad gift for their kids. And yet, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God has claimed you as his own. He is your perfect heavenly Father, so that every time when you pray to God, you are reminded of your adoption in baptism, where through water and the word Jesus took you, now covered in his righteousness completely free from all guilt and shame, and he set you up on the lap of his Father, and he said, Here, Father, here is another one I won just for you. Here is another one who has been washed clean in my blood and bought and purchased and won for our family. 
Claim her as your own. Take him as your beloved. And the Father does. He not only gives you your daily bread, but in simple bread and wine, He gives you the precious body and blood of His Son to eat and drink for forgiveness and life. He has not only given you a roof over your head at night, He invites you to come here week after week to gather with your family under His roof to be fed, to be comforted, to be guarded and guided and filled with His Spirit where He asks you to pray and responds to your prayers with the very words of His Word. Where He gives to you not only the promise that He still loves you despite your sin, despite your lacking prayer life, but He gives you a constant invitation to return to His lap and to relive the powerful promises of your baptism as you receive and relive those words in holy absolution. Friends, if your Father in heaven has given to you all of these greater gifts, gifts given to you because of the greatest gift, His only begotten Son, how will He not also along with Him graciously give you all things? So be bold with your prayers. Be shameless as you get to call the almighty living God of heaven and earth, my Father. And know that in Him you have the perfect Father who loves to hear and answer your prayers. The perfect Father who only knows how to give perfect gifts. Confidence of this, let us pray. Lord, teach us to treasure this most precious gift of prayer. Replace our timid attitude with the boldness and confidence of children approaching their dear Father. Forgive us for the times when we have doubted your goodness and our prayers have faltered. Continue to answer our requests, not in the way we demand or even expect, but always in the way that benefits us for eternity. Gracious Lord and Father, you did not spare your own Son, but graciously gave him into death for our salvation. Confident of your mercy and love, encourage us to shamelessly approach your throne of grace for all that we need. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.